You've tuned in to a four-headed sausage production. Don't touch that dial. Stay tuned in because your favorite program is coming up next. Hello, my friends, and welcome. Welcome back to, welcome back to the show. Today, we are welcoming you back in good, glorious, number one fashion. Number one fashion, brother. Brother, we're going to do it. We're going to be doing the show, and maybe we're going to talk to ourselves. We talk to ourselves a lot. It's okay, as long as you're not answering back. Well, I've been answering back, but that's okay. Hello and welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back to my mind with Stefan Tell. You found yourself on a very, very interesting podcast where we talk about lots of things, lots of stuff, and um, the the inner workings of one's mind. It's actually not that deep. We just talk about superficial things like interacting with people and we talk about some food and we talk about just anything, just anything that's going. Talk about video games. You want to talk about video games? Let's do that first. I've been playing a lot of uh, Call of Duty. I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty. Like a a strong majority of the world has been playing um, Call of Duty. Call of Duty have done this interesting thing where they've, um, they've, kind of re redone their multiplayer and their um, zombie map modes into this great thing. I've spoken about it a little bit before, but um, a little bit in depth as well, but I just want to say that, you know, they're doing good and it's going to be hard to find the next, the next level. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be, it's going to be hard to top what they're already topping, which is going to be pretty, pretty interesting to see how far they go and, how, how, how far up is, you know, like it's going to be, it's going to be really good. Um, I'm actually, I'm happy for it to stop where it is, you know, cause I think where it is, is, um, yeah, it's good. It's good where it is now, you know, like it, we don't need to, I don't know. It feels like if you're going to add more stuff, like fair enough, you're going to add, um, you know, like render packages and, uh, different like, um, player skins and like weapon blueprints and stuff. But I don't think they should change the, the design model of the game, you know, like they shouldn't try and make that different. Like the movements like really clean. It's really smooth. Uh, I think it's really good. I think it's probably the, it's definitely not the, it's not the best call of duty, but as far as like what you can do, with with your character and the the zombies mode and the multiplayer, I think they've they've definitely capitalized on that and they've made that um, that's the best like leveling up system a Call of Duty's had uh, within a zombies or within a, a multiplayer. But it's not the best story. It's not the best campaign story. Like the the story is, it's like a year too late to do a review on it. But like the story is just such a. I don't know. For, for me personally, it just feels like this really typical kind of 
run-of-the-mill story. Like, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. Like, uh, just, yeah, it's just not my thing. Um, and I like, a, I like a good Cold War story. Like, one of my favorite storylines in a game is um, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, and that takes place in the Cold War. Uh, yeah, and that's probably one of my favorite storylines because it's so it's so different. Like for something that runs along the same timeline as like um, real history, it takes this really like dark turn into like the almost supernatural and um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's cool. Check it out, Snake Eater, and it's got a theme song. It's like that's what makes Snake Eater such a good game is that like there's like this one bit where you're, you're climbing up this ladder and then music starts playing out of nowhere and it's the theme song to like the game you know like it's it's awesome it's like this really cool um like james bond moment in a video game and like all the gamers all across the the globe i imagine were just like really giddy it's like yeah like a solid snake or Snake Plissken is now, like, in the same ranks as, like, a James Bond, you know what I mean? Like, and he didn't, it wasn't publicized that he was gonna, there's a, you know, there's a camo, actually, you can, like, change your camos in that. That game is actually quite ahead of its time, I think, actually, because it came out on PlayStation, PS2, I'm pretty sure, and, uh, yeah, it's, you can do a lot in that game, yeah, it's awesome, you can eat snakes, <laughs> it like it does what it says on the tin you know what I mean like it, that's awesome that's a cool thing but uh but I digress you know like I think the the Cold War stories are good but I think like you're running out of wars now like now you have to it's hard because they tried to do future wars and they did it with like the Kevin Spacey one Advanced Warfare they tried to make it like yeah it wasn't I don't know they just tried they tried something new and it didn't really pay off and that's fine because sometimes that happens. Sometimes new stuff doesn't work. So people find history more relatable, especially if it's already happened. They've, they've got like something they can kind of cling to and go, Oh yeah, I remember that, you know? So it's like the familiarity of, uh, history that makes people click on and go, Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. I remember that war, you know, and then you, you can be, you can have a relatable character in it. So yeah but anyway um i've been playing mass effects i'm sure a lot of people have been playing the the mat the new mass effect it's not a new one it's just they've done a hd 4k render of the old ones and it is good yeah it's fun i forgot how consuming that game is like i'm playing number one at the moment and i'll up don't worry guys i will update you on my progress through uh la trilogy i even might give andromeda another go that's the fourth one that came out i didn't give it a fair chance like i played it and yeah yeah i, I played it and it was just too much it was too big of a game you know what i mean it was it was too large it was too xl it was double xl so, um, yeah, but I'm playing the first one and, you know, let me know what, what, like your go-to team members are. Cause mine is like, like the girl, Ashley Williams, and then the, the Turian Garrus, Garrus. Cause he's just such a, he's such a, 
he's just so awesome. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's cool. He's like, just got such, I don't know, the voice actor just does such a good job of playing an alien. <laughs> like, like, it's really awesome. It's, it's the coolest, it's the coolest alien character besides like, I don't know. Actually, I don't know any like cool, like alien characters off the top of my head. Like there's some cool ones in like Rick and Morty, like that Birdman guy in Rick and Morty. He's like it. He's badass. <laughs> Sorry. I try not to swear, but like, I feel like ass is the one you can get away with because it's, you know, a donkey essentially. So he's a bad donkey. We'll say that he's a bad donkey. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, he's a bad donkey, man. That bird, man. Yeah, and then, like, this this Garius dude. There's, like, other characters that are meant to be, like, bad donkeys. But they don't come across... They, they do. They come across, but they just don't... They're just not that, like... They're just trying too hard, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. They're, tr they're trying too hard to be, like bad donkey characters where this Garius guy like it's he's not trying he just is you know like he lets the work speak and I can relate a lot to that because I try to let my work speak for not that I'm a bad donkey <laughs> but um you know like I try to let my work speak for um my character rather than just talking about my character I had an interesting discussion with one of my friends about it and he, he and I are much the same like we try or we do rather we we, we have a hard time talking our skills and our abilities up and um, painting like a bigger picture of them, of ourselves. Like we try and just let our work ethic speak for itself. Like, yeah. And, our, you know, we let our food and, and how we present ourselves and how, yeah, we let um, like the physical traits show more than like trying to like mentally big ourselves up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and it, it's also, I would rather that. I would rather someone's work ethic speak for it than someone go, yeah, he is the best. He's the best. Like, have you ever seen a film called, um, probably not, but it's a, it's a little rinky dink film. It's very like, it's like a B movie with A-listers in it. <laughs> like it definitely wasn't the greatest movie, but it's got some cool people in it. Like, it's called uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. And basically, it follows... Here's a little impromptu review. It follows the story of four bank robbers who dress up as Elvis and rob a casino. And it, the, the, the thing is, like, it's, he's a, um, it's, a, it's a Elvis convention. That's why they go in dressed as Elvis, right? And it's got Kurt, Kurt Russell... Uh, Kevin Costner, Christian Slater, Courtney Cox, um, Ice T, <laughs> and there's like another. It's like, uh, oh, another dude. I think it's like my. Um, it's like Henry Rollins or someone like that. Like it's a tough dude. He looks like a tough dude like that, and um, yeah. So it's got like all these like heavy. You know, good actors. They're good actors, man. Eh? Like Kevin Costner and Kurt Russell, obviously, like really good actors. And Ice T is like a decent actor. And Christian Slater, like, he puts his hand up for a lot of projects, whether they're good or bad. But you can't knock his acting chops. Like, he still is a good actor. And um, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it follows the story of these guys. And um, they go on this wild, wild adventure. Like, uh, Kurt Russell's... You know, a lot of things happen. And Kurt Russell ends up getting the cash. And making a break for it. And no, no. Kevin Costner gets the cash. And he... And Kurt Russell's trying to get him, I think. Or the other way. No, Kurt Russell... No, no, no. Kurt Russell's got the cash. And Kevin Costner's character is trying to, like, get him to get all the money. They've split the money or something like that. Something's happened. And Kurt Russell's out of there. He's like, nah, I'm out. See you later. And Kevin Costner wants to kill him and get all the money back, right? So, he, um... You know... Ends up in this bit of cat and mouse chase where, and Kurt Russell ends up with this kid and this girl somehow. Uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's a crazy movie. Anyway, there's like this one part at the, uh, towards the end where Kevin Costner, like, he knows he's going to get raided by the police and he's like, says to this Henry Rollins type character, and he's like, if you don't know who Henry Rollins is, he like, he was in like, he, he had like this TV show called The Henry Rollins Show. And then he had a band called The Henry Rollins Band. He was in another band as well before that, I'm pretty sure. But he's like this, just this tough looking dude, eh? Like he looks hard as nails. And, um, you know, he, he's probably, he probably does the podcast. Maybe. I don't know. And uh, he says, Kevin Costner says to Henry Rollins type guy, he's like, I need an army. And he's like... I got one. And it's like iced tea. <laughs> he's got like combat armor on and he's got like these two guns. And he's like, I thought you said you were going to hire an army. Kevin Costner says, I thought you were going to hire an army, an army. And Henry Rollins like, we don't need an, an army. We've got iced tea. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and like, you know, like the, the police come like raiding in or whatever. And like, Ice-T is like, he's like ziplining from the ceiling upside down with like two machine guns and he's like just being in a circle shooting these cops and then he gets shot and then that's it. Like that that's the army done. And they like big him up and they talk him up to be like this massive deal. Like he's gonna like kill, you know, kill everybody and stop everybody. And then he just like... Spends it showboating from the ceiling, zip lining down, and then gets shot. <laughs> like, and then that's it. Like, Ice T's done. It's like the badass character done, you know? Like, that's, um, yeah. That's like a bit of, that's like such a tangent example and such a long way to get there. But, um, you know, like, that's a, that's a good example of like this guy getting talked up and then like, you know, he gets a, a chance to display his kills and he just gets shot. That's not what I like to do. Like, I don't like people talking talking me up man eh? I'd rather they come work with me or come chat to me and you know to see my character and see my demeanor and, and make a judgment from there like I, I feel like that's way more comfortable for me than um <laughs> than me swinging from the ceiling doing like weird turns with machine guns and then just getting shot you know um yeah it's pretty funny isn't it it was a good, it's a good movie. Like it's, there's a lot of like good movies that just kind of get swept by the wayside. Like I think, 
Um, it, it had like a really good, like the directing wasn't great and the cinematography definitely was very, it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. But the story was so strong and the characters, the character development was strong. And so the, yeah, the writing was strong. The strip, the script was okay, but it was more the people. It was like a time and circumstance. Eh? Like these characters were definitely, these actors could definitely play these characters and they did them really, really well. And that's what kind of made the movie better. It's like, um, like another example of where characters, you know, like they're perfect for the characters is, um, um, oh, it's a John Carpenter movie where Rowdy, Rowdy, <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper, like the wrestler from the eighties, he's like the main character and they're like, they have this epic fight, man. Like, oh, I can't remember the film. Oh, oh, I can't remember. Oh, that annoys me. Uh, anyway, and he's like, he walks in, it's like such a cool line and he like, what he walks into the, the place and he's like. He says to this alien, he's like, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And he like spits out the gum and he's like, and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> and then they like have this epic like 15 minute fight. You know, it's, it's crazy. And Rowdy Roddy Piper was like born to play that role. You know what I mean? Like similar to how like even Schwarzenegger was like born to play Terminator or like Stallone was born to play Rambo. You know what I mean? Like these actors just find these awesome roles that they not only do they make their own because guaranteed there's other people considered for these roles but they make it their own you know what i mean like i think the 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 coolest thing about the terminator is that it's awesome how acceptable um in because it's an american film and an american concept and it's from the future it's awesome to see that like in the future the like <laughs> this AI developed a machine that like only speaks Austrian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was like the language, that was like the language <laughs> and the language barrier. Like that, that was the language they want these robots to speak. These like unstoppable killing machines. Like they were like, what's like the toughest English uh, or what's the toughest language? And it's like Austrian. <laughs> Let's give them like an Austrian <laughs> like dialect. I think that's a that's like even though it was done probably by accident and because like Arnold Schwarzenegger is from Austria, it was done, you know, as an accident. But it it just made like the Austrian accent like super tough <laughs> and like it gave it like this another layer of like awesomeness. Like it didn't. It wasn't this. It was no longer a two-dimensional character. Like, imagine if the Terminator just had an American accent. Like, all the, the lines would have fell pretty flat. And it wouldn't... Imagine, like, if... Say... Uh, you know, I don't know. A typical American dude was, like... In, in Judgment Day, in Terminator 2, was like... Hey, hey, man. I need, I need your, your keys. Your jacket. And, and, and your motorcycle, man, <laughs> I would have been more intimidated than that. But then it's like the Schwarzenegger, like, I need your keys, your jacket and your motorcycle. 
you know like it, it it just sounds so tough man hey and it's like full credit to arnold schwarzenegger for making it sound you know so tough and believable and awesome and it's so good like that that's like like i said you know that's what makes it man hey it's like if you watch i'm just tangenting here hey? i'm just going example 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 but you know it's awesome i, I think it's awesome i think that's the the, the awesome thing about like movies is like the actors give the give it so much power like it comes less it obviously comes down to the writing like it can be a solid script like a good example is a lot of tarantino movies because the script always in my opinion the script always outplays any of the the actors do you know what i mean like the script and the dialogue are always i always think that I always fall in love with the way he... I always I always talk about, like, Tarantino. <laughs> like, I just love his films. But, like, I, I just love the way that he writes dialogue. Like, I think that always outshines the character, like, the actors playing the character. Because he writes how he thinks that character sh- should speak. You know what I mean? And and the actors, obviously, it's credit to them because they play it so well. But it all comes down to how Tarantino is, like, instructing. And in my opinion, of course, like, you know, some actors improv it. Like, like El Cap, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, it's a big thing. He improvs the, um, a couple of scenes in Django Unchained, which is awesome. And, you know, it's credit to him. And he, like, obviously, Tarantino is comfortable with some actors, like, playing into it more. You know, but you know, he, he does, he does such a good job of just writing, writing dialogue. Like it's just such a simple thing. You know, you wouldn't think it would be, cause some, some people can't do it. They can't write dialogue. You, you'd think it would be, it would be easier to write how people talk and how people speak than writing a, a story because you hear people speak every day without fa- without fail people say words to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and you can kind of pick up how they speak and, you know, how I speak is very tangenty and very different to how I, I guess I should speak. <laughs> I like to speak quite proper, but sometimes it doesn't translate that way. <laughs> you know, sometimes it, it just doesn't uh, make any sense. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, going back to what what I was saying, um, yeah, Mass Effect. The I've, like I said, I'm only at the first one, and I've only just left like the first kind of mission, so I'm very young into it. But we'll go back. We'll I digress. <laughs> we'll go back to what I was saying. So um, you know, it's gonna be it, it's good, and um, yeah. So I've just left it. It's very it's very good excuse me, I've just left the first kind of place and I just spent way too much time like talking and like the dialogue is, oh, it consumes me so much. And I've done like generally in like a lot of like role-playing games, cause it's a role-playing game, uh, you get dialogue options. So you can pick a positive one, a neutral one and a negative one, right? 
So if you go, I'm doing it positive because I'm, I'm trying to do positive and then I do negative. I want to see the positive outcome before I see the negative outcome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want to see the best before I see like the worst. Okay. So, and I, I will play it again. So the, the, the scary thing about Mass Effect is that all your choices, they, um, all of your choices so this is how a lot of like role-playing games work. You can't just chop and change and like stay in the neutral. Like the best way to play a lot of these massive, not massive multiplayer, these um, RPGs is like do all positive and then do all negative. And then your third playthrough, play it however you want, you know, do a mix. But um, the, yeah, so I'm trying to play all positive. So even when I want to tell people to like, jog on i was like not just smile just smile and accept it even though like some of your crew doesn't like it so your choices they weigh into the final story which is actually weighs up into the very final uh game you know so the third game so your choices in mass effect one affect your choices in mass effect two and mass effect three that's why that's that's what they call the the mass effect like you know because you know small choices can it's like what's the um the butterfly effect a butterfly can flap its wings and now we don't have beaches (laughs) you know know, stuff like that it's a it's a so that's like the mass effect um appeal um i think they they define mass effect in the game as um them traveling through these things called mass relays, which allows them to travel from galaxy to galaxy. Anyway, I'm not going to go into the story of Mass Effect because it's quite in-depth. You should just go play the game. Whether you play the 360 version or you play the brand new HD version, like I recommend it. It's a good game. Um, Talking of like stories, that whole Mass Effect story is awesome. Like that's got to be top. That's my top five one of my top five is like the whole story, the story as a whole, you know, I wouldn't pick, I would say the best one is Mass Effect 2, because that's like, they just kind of nailed the exploration, they had like a nice mix of exploration, and like mission based combat, this game was so big back in the day, that on Xbox 360, it came with two discs, you know what I mean, like you had one disc, for main story, and then one disc for side quests. You had a whole disc for just like the add-on to the campaign. You know what I mean? Like it was crazy, and it, it's a it's a good story. Mass Effect Two is a good story. Excuse me. And um, you never in in the first game you couldn't like adjust your appearance, and it's good that they've kept that. Like you still play the Shepard character. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a good thing they kept on. But uh, yeah, so I've got like even more choices because I've done like the, I've upgraded the skills to like do extra dialogue. So now I don't have just positive, neutral, and negative. I can go super positive or super negative. So I'm just like, I've got all these choices of like what to say and like what to do. And it's like doing my head, you know, it's like now I'm just like stuck in conversations because I have to just keep talking to people, which is, which is okay. You know, I don't mind it, but it's like, oh, I just want to go explore. I want to do like shepherd stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want to do, I want to do shepherd things. Let me live my shepherd lifestyle. 
in the in the Mass Effect universe. Me and Garrus were just gonna chill out. But now, like, because I've become like more of an achievement guy, I have to. I've always been an achievement guy. I always chase the achievements. If if you play PlayStation, I think they're called trophies. But I always like chase achievements. It's just like the it's just satisfaction. Like I really enjoy the satisfaction of um of really getting into like just knocking off an achievement or two. Like it's awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, it's so good. So now I'm, I've got to play with the other, other characters that I just never played with before. And I'm realizing that they're just really annoying. <laughs> and I think they're annoying because I've never heard the dialogue before, like in combat scenarios. Like I'm playing with this one dude who's like the supposed tough guy. It's not Garius, but he's the supposed tough guy. And he just says dumb stuff all the time. Eh? It's like, make me take my gun away. It's like, oh, really, dude? Like you say that all the time, you know, like KIA they didn't stand a chance. You know what I mean? Like, just says, like, really ignorant, dumb, tough guy stuff. Dumb, tough guy dialogue sucks. Yeah. I like it when... I think, like, my favorite class or personality in a game is, like, the... Um, the puckish rogue. <laughs> the happy-go-lucky roguish type. You know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, uh, speaking of like a roguish type um, and like cool storylines in games, I, I recently replayed Bioshock Infinite. I think I spoke about it before, but it, it just has the... I, I really like the story. I think that's one of my favorite stories in a game as well. Like the Bioshock... Uh, the whole the whole um, universe of like the Bioshock is awesome, but I, I really like Bioshock Infinite, the third installment of the game. That's the story's just so cool, and the dynamic they really made it a lot easier to use. Like, because you have like these thing called Vigors, where it's just like it's basically a potion you drink and you get superpowers from it. They can you know control minds and stuff, but they really worked out a happy medium of between like using the superpowers and using like um, combat, like using guns and stuff. I guess like. What, what's considered normal combat now but they they every game has their own little controller scheme like most games now because of the popularity of call of duty they've kind of just made some game some like buttons automatic buttons you know what i mean like so like buttons in call of duty basically like most games have taken what call of duty's control scheme is and then just put it in their game except for certain games like um, like Grand Theft Auto, right? So that's got their own control screen. And the, same, the control screen in Grand Theft Auto is the same for like, um, like Red Dead Redemption and um, the other GTAs and like, you know, like it's, it's the same, right? But in Call of Duty, the, the one button that <laughs> that that every gun every gun game or gun orientated gun seems to have is that like x is reload a is jump b is crouch and y is change weapon and a lot of games have just taken those four buttons and just gone yep everybody knows that x is reload so let's just go let's make our reload button x because that'll just be easier 
because then it's a familiarity. But then it also gets thrown into the typecast of, oh, it's just, well, then this is just another call, like a game trying to be Call of Duty. So it's a hard balance. But Bioshock have done this thing (laughs) that like irks me is where... Um, and Mass Effect as well. Like I keep pushing buttons from Call because I've been playing heaps of Call of Duty. I've been call- pushing like Call of Duty buttons, and I've been doing like different stuff in like Bioshock and um, and thing like to like melee in Call of Duty is like you click in the right stick, and in Bioshock that's aim. So every time I'm like running towards an enemy and I'm like trying to like melee them, like hit them with my fisticuffs. You know I want to jump down and do the man dance (laughs) he keeps like just aiming at them and just like looking at them in like you know 1.5 zoom and just like staring at them through the gun it's like oh this is so annoying like stop it and then in mass effect like x is also the action button in call of duty so i've just been running around and in mass effect it's not the action button a is the action button so i keep pushing x and i'm like just slowly and like vigorously trying to open a door and I'm like throwing grenades like X is the grenade button so like all through this friendly level I keep getting like in trouble and getting um sometimes in bad scenarios I keep getting like people attacking me because I'm like throwing grenades at them I'm not meaning to I'm just trying to talk to them or like open a door and I keep like throwing grenades at people and like getting stuff around so you know that's super annoying but you know I'll, I'll get over it. I'm I'm not playing much Call of Duty now. I'm just trying to play Mass Effect because it's such a big story. I want to get through it. My brother and I, we um we're like both Mass Effect fans, so he's like playing at the moment. And yeah, would I'm I'm subtly trying to like beat him. <laughs> I'm trying to like because you know it's like brotherly brotherly competition where you it's it's a competition because you're both playing it. But it's not a competition you announce to anybody. It's just, <laughs> it's just competition. Yeah. It, it's fun, you know. I, li- I like doing it, you know. Like, yeah. Like, there was one, like, Call of Duty challenge. And it was like, who could unlock this gun first? <laughs> no, it was in the, the, the battle pass thing. It was like, who could get, like, the um, heavy metal... Uh, it was like a song in like the battle pass or whatever. And we're both like on the same level or similar levels. And we're trying to like both get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got it at the same time. eh? Like it was this weird competition that we have with each other, um, which was good. You know, it's all in fun. You know, I don't take it to heart anymore and I never does he, I don't think so. Yeah. You know, it, it's good. It's good fun. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy having like these little competitions. Um, I think I've, I've got like a bit of a project working with him, um, at the moment, we're just got to try and sort out times and, um, try and type up some content, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been good. So, so we'll get into something else. Um, uh, it wasn't recently, it was like la, uh, it might've been the start of this year, actually, my, my, my wife and son, they went to Byron Bay for something, uh, some, some family event I'd, I'd work. So I stayed here and we like jokingly said, she said to me, oh, 
um, you know, imagine if I meet like Chris Hemsworth and I was like, oh yeah, how, how cool would that be? Like that, that'd be awesome. And then lo and behold, <laughs> the, she sends me a photo of like Ray and like my son, Ray and, um, Chris Hemsworth. And I was like, what, how did this even happen? So like, I'll, I'll, I'll get her on, uh, in the, in the coming weeks to explain the story a little bit more. She's not here at the moment. But, um, she basically, they went into this toy shop and there was like Miss Senor Hemsworth, um, with his, with his kids and they would, you know, in this rinky dink little toy shop in Byron Bay. And, um, uh, my wife was like, that, that's Thor. And like my son was like, cause he's a massive Marvel fan. He's a huge Marvel fan and I may or may not have something to do with that, but he's a huge Marvel fan and he like was where he was shocked you know he was shocked to to see he was like that's Thor that's that's Thor and then my wife was like oh what what are we go and ask him for a photo and or or something like that and he was like oh like keen keen to go do it and um I'll, I'll get I'll get him on to tell his version of events in the coming weeks as well and, um, cause it's like this crazy brush with fame that, um, you know, not, not every kid's gonna experience like, well, I guess more and more kids will these days, but you're not gonna, you're gonna watch all these movies that he's a part of all these Marvel related con- content and then you meet him, you know, imagine, imagine being a five-year-old and meeting like the guy that you've like seen play, you know, a superhero and you meet him in real life. Like that's pretty awesome. You know, that's a crazy thing. Anyway, he went up there and, um, you know, my wife was like, obviously Chris Hemsworth's Hemsworth is quite handsome. <laughs> and she was like trying to act all cool. And he was like, Oh, how you going buddy? Um, Ray was like, Oh, good. Good. It's like, Oh, do you want, do you want to get a photo? And he just, Grab ask my wife for the phone. I could be getting the story totally wrong, but I uh, grabbed the phone and took a selfie of himself and my son. And you know, thankful he signed like a Lego box for him as well. And um, you know, my son was over the moon. Made made his year. So you know, I'll tag you in this, Mister Hemsworth. Thank you. Thank you for making his um his year. I, I honestly thought about like reaching out and just saying like. Uh, you know, dear Mr. Hemsworth, um, I didn't have the confidence to say it, but <laughs> I, and I didn't do it, you know, like it's like months later and I'm doing it now. Um, but I, you know, I just wanted to say like, like, thanks, thanks for being, you know, thanks for not being like a weirdo or well, not a weirdo, but thanks for not being, um, stuck up about it, you know, like, thanks for taking that, that second out of your day. That's just made my son's whole year. You know what I mean? Like you hear about all the, you, yeah, you do. You hear about stories of like celebrities, like being, uh, not that nice to fans and that, but you know, like good on you, good on you, Mr. Hemsworth. It's good to see that, um, you can still take the time out of, I'm sure you had a million things to do that day and you're flat chatting with the kids and what else. And I, I know as a dad, like when you got the kids, uh, er- everything's, <laughs> everything's a drama, you know, everything, the smallest thing can become a drama. 
and um, you know, so so thanks for for taking the time making his day. And it made his it's it's still made his year. You know, like he's he's still um, he still loves it. He still talks about it a little bit. And um, yeah, so so we got the photo developed, and um, it's on my fridge. And it, and if you came to my house. And you just see, like, there's a wedding photo of, of uh, me, my wife, and my son when he's a little bit older. If you, if you just, like, catch it at a glance, it looks like, because I've got a, I've got olive skin. So I've got, I'm not uh, white. I've got, like, a little bit of a, from my, like, Asian um, descent, I've, I've got, like, a little bit darker complexion than my son and wife. And, um... <laughs> if if you just if you just walk past the fridge and you see it, you would think that Chris Hemsworth is like the biological dad, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like the the stepdad, <laughs> you know. Like if you just caught it for a second, you see in the wedding photo of me like carrying my son. It looks like my wife had relations with Chris. Which I well, I, look, fingers crossed that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, it looks like my wife had relations with Chris Hemsworth, and they had like this child together. <laughs> and my son looks like he's taking a photo with like his biological dad <laughs> and we'll put it on the fridge so oh yeah that's dead. you know it's funny it's funny to me like when I look at it I see oh you know like they look so similar because they're both um, Caucasian they um and they've got like similar facial structure in a weird way you know some people just look alike like my son looks like what you know when he's um a baby he's got similar features to Chris Hemsworth but, you know, that was, like, my son's, like, first kind of brush... You know, he's seen the Wiggles and that, but, you know, it doesn't... The Wiggles aren't Thor. You know, the the Wiggles aren't, like, a a, a mythical um, folklore, you know? Like, people used to worship Thor. I guess people worship the Wiggles in their own way. But, um, but anyway, he uh, that was, that's, like, his brush with fame. And, and it got me thinking about, like, a couple of the brushes of fame that I've had over... Um, the course of uh, my illustrious career and and whatnot, I once um, I once uh, at, at a job I was working with me and my friend, we were into the like the national rugby league like a little bit just like following it. You know, he was in the I was in the footy comp uh, footy tipping comp with him and and we were you know talking about like you know footy. We'd always talk about like footy back in the day and stuff like that. And we had like a famous footy player come in, like an old legend come in. And we were like, we were so excited. Like <laughs> we, we didn't have the, because we we're working there, we couldn't exactly go up and go, oh, can I get a photo or an autograph? You know, like really nice to meet you and that. And um, <laughs> so, so we proceeded to like almost like in the kitchen, we're probably being loud because you know, I'll, I'll tell you what happens after. So, you know, we'll be loud and, you know, going like quoting like famous things that he said and like famous things he did, like when he was playing footy and like all these like scenarios, he and I were like playing out and like passing the footy and like, you know, being, being fools and talking about some of the encounters he's had and all that kind of stuff. And he actually ended up <laughs> like complaining to, to management saying how unprofessional the kitchen staff were for like talking about him like while he was like in the uh, in the in the place and we, we actually got um we got written up for it for being like really disrespectful to like a guest's um 
per- personal life and you know uh, I found it so weird like it was apparently it was written in our contracts like when we signed on to say that um, we're we're there as employees and we can't take photos of guests and we can't like it's it's a it's a privacy thing like we can't uh, you know we can't we can't speak or about the guests or to the guests or unless we have knowledge on <laughs> what their problem is and they they approach us we can't just go up and ask them you know like there has to be a certain situation that would demand that we would go up and speak to them and um yeah it, it was awesome mate because he and i were so excited like we didn't even follow the team that he played for but it was just so awesome to see him in the flesh yeah because in in australia like nrl is pretty big afl is uh, pretty big so like that's a comparison to like like the nfl or um I don't know, whatever a big sport is in America, you know, like a big uh, ball sport, like basketball, you know, like they're our, they're our, that's our national sport, like rugby league and AFL, or even union to a degree. Like it's three variants of the one ball sport. <laughs> Basically, that's how like simple uh, us Australians can be, I guess. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, I'll tell you another like a uh, football related one. Um, uh, I used to go to like games in, in Sydney when I'd visit uh, family um, and my brother would go for a team and I went for a team and um, and we'd go to the back of the kind of uh, dugout and well, after the game had finished and we'd wait there t- for the players to like sign our stuff and <laughs> my, my auntie, my crazy auntie, um, you know, she's like, She'd do anything for us kids. And it turns out anything was grabbing this famous football player by the jacket, like grabbing him and like forcing him into it. So like my, uh, one of other family members could take a photo of me and him in the photo and him signing my ball. And I look so innocent and he's like signing the ball, but you can see my auntie in the back, like grabbing his jacket and like pulling him. And she's got like this crazy look in her eyes. Like she's about to like hit him or something like that or like say something offensive and she's just like all you can see is like me happy and him like signing the ball and my auntie like grabbing this like football player's arm and like reefing him over to the photo and she's like in the back like you can just see her head in her arm like grabbing the jacket yeah i'll try and find the photo and i'll put it up on my instagram because it's just it's such a cool i'm like this chubby kid (laughs) like this football you know wanting like just a signature like my little brush with fame and uh yeah but i think um yeah, that, it was awesome, you know, credit to my auntie because she did it with, uh, you know, a lot of people. I remember saying to, like, a football player one time, um, you only get one side of these stories, by the way, you only get my version of, of events, but I remember one of the first games I went to, um, I, I ended up asking, you know, I, I was really impressed with how this player played and it really inspired me to, like, try more ball sports, more, like, football-based sports and get into it a little bit more. I was so impressed with how this guy played. And, um, and, um, I remember asking the, the cat, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but this guy, the, the football player I asked was like more famous than the guy I was like, uh, interested in. 
and I remember going up and asking him, I was like, oh, do you know where so-and-so is? And he was, he like had the pen out ready to like give me an autograph. <laughs> and I'm like, do, do you know where that other player went? Like, uh, I want to get his autograph. And I said it to this guy who was like, you know, a, f- a famous like football player. And it, you could kind of see it in his eyes. He was like, so, you know, over... He was, you could see it. He was like over signing autographs, but then like his, his whole face changed and it was like deflating that I didn't want his, <laughs> you know, like it was like that moment where he was like, ah, oh, I don't want this order. He like, he doesn't want my autograph, but I'm, I'm sick of doing autographs, but now he doesn't want one. Oh, it was like this really awkward, like kind of moment I kind of created. It kind of sums up my whole existence really. If, um, I think long and hard about it, but, um, yeah, I'll tell you another one real quick. This one's like, uh, it's like a non-event. It's like a non-startup, but it's, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, at this, or I think it's not even cool. It's not even like a great story, but like, you know, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I worked at this place and we actually had the guys from, uh, uh, Nitro Circus. I don't know if you've heard of Nitro Circus, but it's like, um, it was, it first started with like this dude called, uh, Jeff Tremaine. He was like the producer of the show and he actually produced all of the, um, Jackass stuff and, the, uh, some early, like the, um, Wild Boys. I think he did like a little bit with the Dudesons as well. Like they were big on, you know, a- anyway, it was just like people hurt themselves and he, he, um, with Travis Pastrana, um, I can't even remember all of them now, but <laughs> anyway, uh, it was like Travis Pastrana and like a few other guys. I think it was, there was a Canadian girl, someone Van Nugent, Kate, Kate Van Nugent or Candace or I feel like it was Kate Van Nugent. Anyway, they, they came and stayed at the hotel cause they were touring their Nitro Circus like thing and they came in for lunch where, where I was and I was on the lunch shift and I was like, they're like, Oh, the, it was after lunch as well. Like it was, it was, I was packing down and they're like, Oh, these guys want, um, just some food. And I like said, I recognize like the girl and like Travis Pastrana. And I was like, yeah, of course. Oh, of course I'll cook them lunch. And <laughs> you know, just so like so giddy. Cause I used to go home and like watch Nitro Circus. Like I'd go home and watch the DVDs and like, you know, just like go, oh man, that's so sick. You know, I'm not even like into like motocross <laughs> at all. Like, but I like the personalities and, um, and they had, um, state of Massachusetts as like their theme song, which was like obviously a winner because I love the dropkick Murphys. Um, yeah. So they come in and then I, I was so like starstruck. <laughs> I guess I got so like caught up in like looking at them and like, just like, I don't know. I had this weird, like starstruck moment where I couldn't perform my job (laughs) and I had to get one of the guys to like come over from the prep kitchen and actually help me like cook their meals. Cause I was so like shocked and he came, he was like a, um, he was from uh, India. I'm pretty sure. And he was like, you know, don't, don't hate me for the accent, but he was like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing here? Hurry, hurry up, hurry up. We need to get the food out. You know? And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just like, do you know who those guys are? Like, 
do you know who they are? And he was like, I don't, we don't, we don't have the, this kind of extreme sport in India. And I was like, oh, whatever, dude. Like, I'm sure you do. You're being very naive. Well, I'm not being naive. I said, you're being very naive. You're not being naive. I'm not naive. You're naive. You are the one. No, he didn't say any of that. I'm ad-libbing. And, um, yeah, I remember them just looking there, like, so, like, sad. <laughs> they didn't get their food at, like, an appropriate time. I remember I burnt, like, one of their chicken burgers. And I, like, overcooked their chips and, like, had to start it all again. Like, I really had, like, a moment. Because I was watching the Nitro Circus so much. And then, like, to see them in person. I didn't even go and get there because it was, like, I was at a place where it was the same. You know, you couldn't go over and, like, confront the guests. And, um, yeah, I, I just had, the, like, that. that's one moment in my life where I was just so starstruck. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was just, like, stunned, you know. And I, I couldn't even perform. I couldn't even make, like, a chicken burger, which I'd made a gazillion times, you know. And, um, yeah, I just remember them sitting there just looking so deflated, probably, like, worn out from, like, endlessly touring and fan interactions. But then they just came back to their... They um they just came here for like lunch, <laughs> and they they couldn't even get that because like this giddy like I was an apprentice at the time this giddy apprentice like can't stop staring at them and like <laughs> wondering like oh are they gonna see me do 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 I, do I say hello or what do I do. So, guess what? You've heard the music kick over now, and we're at the final segment of our of today's episode. Look, I, I've really had fun with this one. It was a good bit of fun, and I just want to say thank you to uh, Nitro Circus and those footy players and Chris Hemsworth. You know, thanks for the the little interactions you have with people that really make us normal people. You know, it really gives us something to to look forward... Not even to look forward to. Just something that's, like, gives us a little glimpse of... Um, I don't know. I don't know, what, I don't know what it gives us, actually. Like, when you meet someone famous, you just get, like, this... <laughs> I don't even know. It's, so, it's, so, uh, it's such an odd feeling to explain, you know. Like, yeah, when I, like... Like I said before, when you meet these people, um, you just get so giddy and nervous and anxious. It's it's so strange that, you know, someone, just because they're on TV, can, like, do that to you, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Just thanks for letting us all get stuck in your aura and just, you know, for making us feel okay, for, you know, liking your, your material and, and the stuff you do. But look, here's what we're going to do. So... We're going to do some plugging. Pluggy, pluggy, pluggy. Alright? Now, there's a couple ways we can do this. You can go to iTunes or anywhere where you can leave reviews. And you can and you can review this um, this podcast. My Mind with Stefan Tell. You can get chuck a five stars on. If you enjoyed this episode, we had a wild time. Um, you, you can go to iTunes and leave a five star review. And you can go to... You can go to my Facebook page, which is My Mind um, with Stefan Taylor or My Mind Podcast, the fan page or the group, and you can comment in there as well. You can 
give a bit of a howdy doody in there and um you know see where you end up and see what happens you can you know maybe even leave some maybe you want to tell me your famous interaction with someone and i'll i'll chuck it on the show here and we'll talk about that some more. I've got one friend actually. I'm actually I'm I'm, I'm hopefully going to talk to him tonight, and I'll I'll get him to because he actually cooked. Went to someone's house, a famous person's house. I won't spoil it, but he went to someone a famous person's house, and he actually ended up uh, cooking Christmas uh, dinner and uh, lunch. So a Christmas lunch for them, which uh, I'll let him tell the story because it's a really cool story. It's really awesome, and um, I'll give you a hint. He's Australian. <laughs> so you know if you can pick one of many Australian actors uh, to who you think it's going to be you know um, and, and maybe we'll, I'll, I'll put that one up next week or, or later on this week we'll see how we go but look you can you can send an, an email of inquiries um, or you can DM me on my Instagram my Instagram is mymindpodcast and that's M-Y-M-N-D-P-D-C-S-T that's mymindpodcast with no vowels strictly no vows or you can send an email to mymindpodcast at gmail.com dot com chef no that's not what we want to hear mymindpodcasts at gmail.com you can send an email there for any inquiries or any questions or ideas you might have and um yeah go go and rate us go and give us a rating you can follow follow us on spot on spotify spotify us on spotify you can spot me. You can cash me outside, they would say. On Spotify, even. Yeah, follow us there. And um, look, enjoy your week and have fun conversing with yourself and with others. <laughs>